Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. Sinusoid! Pro Audio Couture. Uh, today we're talking about TechFlex. TechFlex is this plastic coating that goes over your cable. You can put any color TechFlex on any color of cable. There's no bad combination. They all look fantastic. I mean, I say any, but like, obviously it's gotta be something that exists. Well, yeah, it's gotta exist. I mean, I really like you TechFlex. You can't just imagine something and have it be real. I really like TechFlex. I like the way it feels. I like the way it coils. It feels strong. It feels slippery. It's really cool. I like it. It makes me feel confident. It makes me feel like a real man. And it makes a lady feel like a real lady. Unless you're a man that wants to feel like a lady or a lady that wants to feel like a man. It makes you feel that way too. Uh, Sinusoid, Pro Audio Couture, they make cables. And smiles, and Except they make you feel however you want to feel. This episode is also brought to you by Yellow Cake Effects. Uh, last week, Ryan did a demo for the furry and fried. It's half fuzz. It's half drive. It's furry and well, it's fried. Well, it's half drive and half fuzz drive because the furry burrito side is a fuzz and drive. Oh. So it's like two drives and a fuzz. Uh, it sounds really great. It's a bunch of fun. I'd never played with any yellow cake stuff. Uh, here at home, playing around with my pedals. Uh, I really fell in love with the fried gold side of this thing. It's crispy and crunchy and brings a lot to the table. Is it table. peanut buttery? It's not peanut buttery. Okay. Well, maybe kind of creamy. I don't know. But uh, the furry burrito is a bunch of fun, too. It does some weird stuff. Uh, the LED on it is a voltage sag control, and it turns the fuzz side into like an envelope filter. Ooh. It gets real weird and real fun in a hurry. Go watch my demo is all I'm saying. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Solid Gold Effects. We're going to preview something that we have not. Well, will you have a demo? When not, I, I hope I have a demo. We'll see. We'll see how unbearably hot it is uh, the week prior to this episode if I get this demo out. Uh, but this is the Funkzilla. Uh, this is a purple pedal, as you can tell if you're watching the video. It's an envelope filter builder. Uh, speaking of envelope filters, uh, it's an Ottawa. It's got a bunch of crazy settings on it. It's got a direction switch on there. Check that out, huh? I've played with this thing a little bit and I'm looking forward to doing a full demo with it because it's a bunch of fun and it's purpley and sparkly yeah, and it's I really got like a Godzilla it on it. Uh, it's got a Godzilla on it? Did yeah. I miss that? It's right oh, there. Oh, there it is. It's right there. It's got the. It's got a mode switch with all the different wave shapes and forms and stuff like that. Uh, if you watch my other videos for Solid Gold stuff, you know that it's going to be good. Yep. It's going to have a lot of tricks up its sleeve. So go check that out. Yep. I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, money, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. How long do you think I'll find it funny to say I'm Ryan? I is that why you're saying it? Yeah. <laughs> the stupidest little thing that I've grabbed onto, and I just think it's the best, and no one's going to understand what I'm referencing. I just thought you were being lazy. Oh, I am being lazy, but I'm also being self-absorbed and making jokes that are only funny to me. Um, what's new, Steve? Nothing. Nothing's new with Steve. What's, no, new, uh, what's no, new with you, Ryan? No new acquisitions made by Super Rich Steve? Did you change your shirt? I did change. Now it looks like it's a different episode. Not for me. I'm wearing the same shirt. Yeah, but you're still doing, we're doing a sponsor spot for Yellow Cake, so it makes sense that you're wearing the same shirt. You changed your shirt for the video episodes. I actually thought we were going to do three tonight, so I needed to at least look different in one of them. <laughs> I got other shirts in my car, too. I, I probably would have changed for a third episode. <laughs> I like how you're just now noticing this, like, 20 minutes after I changed I mean, I appreciate it. You I, were in the room when I changed shirts. I wasn't paying attention, apparently. <laughs> Now that you've done this, now that you set the precedent, now I'm going to have to change shirts every episode, too. I'm just trying I'm going to have to comb my hair different, maybe give myself a, a, a beard trim. I'm trying to, like, create the illusion. <laughs> that at least We're going to have to record the first episode second so that I can trim my beard to be shorter for the first 
it'll be it'll look like my beard oh grew my for the second episode. Just, you too. You've got to do the same thing for your beard, Steve. Just just record the second episode and then shave completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew this beard in a week. It's incredible. <laughs> we'll have a we'll stage a beard growing competition. Oh my gosh. And it'll all just be based on how long our beards actually were the recording day. We were, if you guys don't understand what we're joking about, we record two episodes yeah. per session. I changed shirts. He changed shirts so it looks time. like it's a, a, whatever. Uh, you want to ask me what's new? I already did. You decided to talk about my shirt because apparently my shirt is new. Your shirt is hilarious. Your shirt is new too. You do have another shirt over there. Yeah, I took that shirt off to wear a shirt from our sponsor. It's not my fault. Which is very comfortable. That's what I'm by saying. So it makes sense for you it's to wear. Nice the same shirt two episodes in a row because you're continuing. I know I got that. I got that part. I got that part. So what's new with me is that I uh, I messed around with that Nux Solid Studio. New X. New X. Apparently, that's, that's another new thing X. new. Uh, that's how you pronounce it. New X. Although they never spell that out in any of their copy, they spell it N U X without a dash. Yeah. But apparently, there's supposed to be a dash in the logo. There, it's N U Triangle X. Um. And the triangle apparently. Is, I like saying Nux better. Yeah. For obvious humorous reasons. Rock. I want to rock my Nux. All right. No big deal. So but let's, I, let's I, talk about that solid studio. So I put all the Nux pedals on my board yeah. for church, and I used them all. And I'm here to report on my findings. They made sounds. They made sounds. Sounds passed through them. Uh, I'm gonna say it right off the bat. I haven't done any videos of these so far. Maybe not by the time this episode comes out. But the Atlantic, home run. Yeah. yeah 150 bucks. The delays sound great. The reverb sounds great. Uh, the momentary thing on the reverb is a bunch of fun to mess around with. Running delay and reverb in parallel is really cool sounding because like your signal doesn't turn to, you know, mushy reverberated mess. Uh, I just think it's a really solid pedal for 150 bucks. So it gets my recommendation. The compressor, I forget the name of it. It's a Masamun. I'm not a fan. Hmm. Uh, I like the boost side of it. I think it sounds like really nice and preampy, and uh, it boosts into drives really well. But the compressor is that this style of compressor where it's you know a fully like funk hard knee sort of compression. Right. Uh, it has a blend knob on it, but I don't feel like the blend is terribly effective at getting rid of that and blending towards a more conservative and smooth compressor so this is really a compressor that's going to work for someone who's doing that hard funk sound or is going for you know like a simulated lap steel sort of mm -hmm. country singing sort of sound just wasn't a fan of it other people might like it uh when i make a video go check it out um the solid studio yes that's really the thing i've got to talk about here because i took it to church and did not bring an amp with me Ooh, which was a bold thing to do I was really putting a lot on that pedal. A bold strategy. Let's see how it paid off. Yeah, exactly. I had tried, to be fair, I had tried it at rehearsal the day before, but it's a completely different soundboard and room yeah. and monitoring situation. And it did well at rehearsal. I plugged in the XLR into the side of it, and it worked out just fine. I get to church. I plug it in, and it does this thing that I, I first experienced at home, mm -hmm. where if you plug it in wrong... It'll play for a couple minutes and then it'll say, you've done enough damage and it goes into like an automatic shut off mode. Okay. So you plug it in and it's like, this isn't the way I was designed to work. There's too much right. resistance somewhere. Automatic safety shut off. It's great that it does that. Uh, I get to church. I plug it in the way that I had it plugged in at rehearsal. XLR straight into the side and it passed signal for two minutes, like I said, and then shut off. Interesting. And I was like, great. Like it's not getting enough power. This or that is a problem. I wasn't thinking about it. And I just kept messing with it. And while it was running for two minutes, uh -huh. it would have a lot of noise. Like there was a, a big oh. noise floor on it. So eventually I was like, let's try plugging it in a different way. Instead of going XLR direct in, let's run a quarter inch out of the TRS out, which is supposed to be like a headphone out. Yeah. And run that into a direct box. And then it worked perfectly. It sounded great. It's super quick and easy to dial in a sound that works. And it gives you a ton of like variance. Like each mic model sounds very different and very unique. Each cab model sounds very different and very unique. 
It's really easy to dial in the uh, the amp simulating like power preamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't miss my amp at all. It sounded very good in my in-ear monitors. Do you remember like what settings you used? I don't. I uh, whatever picture I put onto Instagram is what I was using. Okay. Um. But like I said, it's easy to just flip through the switch and find what works for you on one right. setting and then flip through the other switch and find what works for you on that setting. And you find a really nice combination that works for your drive section on your board and for your sound in general. I'm looking at it like I don't know if I'll use it every week instead of an amp, but it's definitely an option that I'll exploit on the regular. So I'm pretty impressed with it. I'll say that. Uh, I should get in deeper with it and figure out, you know, the nooks and crannies of the design and how to be more prepared for when it goes into that shutdown mode. Yeah. Uh, If you get one, you're going to have to spend time figuring that out and making sure that uh, you're running it in a correct way and aren't going to get stranded without an amp. I'm kind of like trying to skim through the manual and see if it says anything. I have no um, idea why the XLR out wouldn't work on the regular church board when it did work on the rehearsal board. Maybe there was like a phantom power issue. Right. That was kind of like, like my the, initial thought. The, the mic that they usually run me on, which is the cable I was using, doesn't use phantom power. Right. But so, with a microphone, typically it doesn't really matter if phantom power is on or not. Like it doesn't like if, if you it doesn't a, affect the Mac. So if phantom power was left on for any reason. It yeah. would it affect it, maybe. But then you said you had like issues with it at home too, right? Because it had it plugged in wrong or something. Or mm. or maybe it didn't have enough power at home. I don't know. I need to do some uh, some testing with it to figure out exactly what is going on. But once you have it working and it doesn't go into that automatic shutoff after two minutes, you're working. It's going to keep right. working. It didn't shut off on me either time I used it live once I got it figured out what was wrong. Uh, but I was super nervous Sunday morning after having it shut down on me like that. I'll say that. And the fact that it was just fine for two services uh, really had me impressed. Yeah. Oh, also, I tested out the, the wireless plugs right. at church. How far did you walk out? Um, well, our sanctuary is it's a middle school auditorium. Um, I'd say it's a good 30 to 40 feet deep. Okay. And so I walked to the back of the room and I was still broadcasting signal. I did duck behind uh, like a big cinder block wall they have in there uh-huh. and the signal started to freak out. Right. So yeah, I think it does need line of sight for the most yeah. part unless... Well, especially at that kind of distance. I think it depends on the material because I've walked through my house right. while playing and the amps are in the garage and it didn't cut out while I was walking through the house. So it passes through drywall. Wait, your house isn't made out of cinder block? My house is not made out of center block. This building is going to collapse any second. <laughs> so it depends on the material of the building that you're in, I suppose. Um, but I had a very pleasant experience with it. Uh, the signal sounded good. It sounded natural. I need to do some comparisons at home, compa- comparing it to just a cable and, and using a looper to do that. Um, the big thing that I was testing was battery life because when I'm playing a church set, uh, I play for a good, like, hour and a half two hours yeah including you know the rehearsal before we play i had to shut it off between services to try to save battery mm-hmm. which is kind of a little bit annoying because i don't have to do anything with the cable between services right it's a little bit annoying to turn two devices off with a little flick switch and even doing that by the end of the last service i was on the last bar of power mm. with the unit so i don't think i can recommend them for long sets if you're someone who plays for hours, I don't think you should be using this particular wireless system. Right. Uh, but if you're someone who plays, you know, shorter bar gigs, half an hour, an hour at a time, it works just fine. I would be confident using uh, the set to do something weird and experimental, like throwing an amp at the back of a room at a gig uh, and not having to run a cable or uh-huh. running an amp on the other side of the stage without having to muck up a bunch of cables and right. stuff like that. Uh, or just using it as a wireless between your guitar and your board so that you can, you know, wander the crowd. But yeah, long gigs, I don't think so. Short gigs, I thought it performed very well. I mean, I almost feel like in a church setting, it would be really easy to work around that because, you know, as soon as you play your set, do you do like a, do you do a set in front and a set like at the end? Yeah, we, we have a closing song. So as soon as you do your front set, you can just unplug, you can like unplug it from your guitar 
Put your guitar stand next to your pedal board. You can charge them both while the sermon's going on. There's some plenty Here's of the thing. power. The last song after the first part of the service, uh-huh. it's like the lights go down and the band has to get off the stage ASAP. We don't mm-hmm. stick around. I like to, you can do it in 10 seconds. I am seconds. not going to disconnect ten the, seconds. the plugs. Well, no, just the, put your guitar stand next to your pedal board. You don't even have to disconnect the plugs. And then, and then plug in USB jacks to charge these things between the times when I'm not playing. Like, I could charge it in between services. There's about 45 minutes in between mm. services where I could charge it. Which probably would be enough but for like, full charge. But considering at church, I'm not running around on stage. Right. There's really no need for me to use wireless at church. I, I could totally see myself using wireless for Dinosaur Ghost. All I'm saying is... I'm running around being crazy. Plug, plugging in in the dark? I could do that. <laughs> Good one, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this first ad was sent in by Andrew Walsh. It is a candy apple red blues junior, $600. Before I put this up on reverb, anyone interested in this candy apple red blues junior, $600 without case, $725 with case. Ooh, this guy's in for a rude awakening when he puts this on reverb because he's not going to get $600. Uh, you did a little bit of uh, research and found out what they go for on the yeah, reg. I found one for uh, like th- that sold for $399. I saw another one that I think is currently listed for like five hundred. Like yeah, those are those are lower numbers than six hundred dollars. Do any of those have the four ninety nine? Have the cosmetic damage that this one has? It does. They the ones I'm seeing do. Oh, they yeah. do. So that that's a comparable price. It's, they're not new or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so this one does have some cosmetic damage. This, by the way, uh, I feel like we should describe its appearance for the podcast listeners. It is a Blues Junior, mm-hmm. but this is a version that they put out. You said that it was a special run for Sam Ash? Yeah, so this was a sl- Sam Ash edition. So the, Apple, the Candy Apple Red, Fender Blues Junior. The chassis, the, bo- the box of the amp is painted like it's a guitar. It's like a Candy Apple, like sparkly red. Yep. Like a metal flake red, which looks really great. But my question to myself, I didn't have a way of vocalizing this when these came out. Uh, When I saw these initially is how is that finish going to age? Being that it's a guitar style finish versus a tweed style finish or a Tolex finish where we're used to a guitar finish on a guitar aging a certain way and we call it a relic and we're fine with it, especially on Fender style guitars. Uh, It, you know, adds character to the guitar or whatever. On an amp, we're fine with the way Tweed ages. It looks classy as it ages. It looks, you know, well-loved and looks like it has character. And the same with Tolex. It, it ages in an, in an accepted way. You know, now I'm a little confused because this was also sold through Andertons. It was a special run. It, you know, the, I think I saw them at Guitar Trader when they came out. So shops were able to get them. Well, the the ad space I was seeing was that said like, oh, this was specially made for the Sam Ash 90th anniversary. Maybe it was, and they still sell sold off the rest of the lot to other mm, shops. Maybe. But are you when you look at the damage on this? There's chipping and scraping on the edges of it. Yeah. That would be kind of fine on a guitar, but how do you react to it on an amp? On this amp, when in I see particular? on an amp, I, I feel like it, it makes me think like the amp is like more damaged than it really is. Um, that is kind of because like when you get aging on tweed, it's just like, oh, there's a scuff. It caught yeah. a corner really weird or something like that. Or but like the, but it's from you like, loading it in and out of your car. These are like dents or cracks in Tolex or Tolex or tweed. You tend to get tears. Right. And tears for some reason. Yeah, they're definitely uh, a little more. They happen because of a different uh, kind of incident. Yeah. Where you look at you look at this and it's looking. like this looks like it got dropped. Is everything, right. every, is everything OK? Right. And, but you're not going to get tears and scrapes and scratches with this finish. You'll get, yeah, you'll, you'll get uh, scratches. Well, and one, there is some scratching on one here. is that it's poly, so it's going to do like you said, like a poly guitar. But people, sane people, don't relic polyurethane guitars. Not they inten- want yeah, to relic nitro finishes. Yeah. So. You know, maybe if this was red with a nitro finish, like mm. the damage would maybe be cosmetically different. It wouldn't be like chunking like this, yeah. perhaps. It would be, it would possibly be different. Of course, the flip side would be like maybe it would be way too uh, prone to checkering. 
which could be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. I would be into a nitro finished guitar cab or guitar amp where you get the checking, you get uh, the finish, like kind of buffing off the edges and revealing the wood beneath where it will kind of gray out. I think that would look better than this. So maybe it is really an issue of poly versus nitro where poly just doesn't age in an aesthetic way. Mm. It ages. Yeah. Oh, it definitely ages. I think the the poly on my Duosonic has been starting to cross the border of aging in an aesthetic way. Is there Duosonic in here? Yeah. This is going to be super interesting for the listeners who aren't watching the YouTube. But you can see it's, it's got some natural checking in here and places where the paint has, like, has kind of like buckled in a little few little areas. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, you know, places where I've knocked it on the edge and there's that little circle crack. Even this thing here that's like a pressure indent. Yeah, you've got like some pressure lines and you've got some points here where it, it kind of like resembles checking because it's a multi-piece body guitar. Yeah, you can see the little seam popping because the wood has dried and shrunk underneath. Uh, it's It has some belt rash on the back. Oh, the screw for the strap peg is coming out. Um, but it started, even though it's poly, it's taken 20 years. Right. And a lot of abuse. I've, this, of all the guitars that I've played, this one caught the most abuse. Um, but it has something resembling a natural relic to it now, even though it is poly. So it is possible sure. to build up a nice relic on a poly guitar. It just takes time where nitro, it goes faster. Right. It wears a lot, a lot faster. Yeah. And, and it's going to be, again, it's different because even like, these are like kind of like finish flaw type things where you, I mean, they're not going to be able to see this on the camera, but it is like, small chips where like they're just there but you can kind of see like this this one here there's yeah. like a, a dent and a circle but you can tell like that wants to chip yeah i mean everything on here looks like legit like aging on a guitar right none of it looks like fake relicking and someone trying to but like something. the idea with like i guess with getting nitro is so like you have this area here with all your pick guard or with yeah. your pick scratching from, if this had been your, nitro there would be bare from wood your there plectrum now. My plectrum. Jeez, um, Louise. Like, what are we playing? Scrabble over here? Uh, Trying to get 50 points, no, Steve? No, I'm not good at... I'm not <laughs> very good at that game. Um, but, like, here you just kind of have these, like, light scratches in the finish. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what what was I trying to get to here? You're talking about whether or not so maybe, you want a relic... Maybe a poly relict amp, but an amp doesn't catch as much damage from playing. It get, catches damage from moving it around. So you'd have yeah. to you'd have to gig with this amp regularly a lot. Well, so to pick up so like an attractive amount of relicking. I think what I was trying to get to is that for a long time I thought about refinishing this guitar. Oh, okay. Uh, just because I didn't like the black, but it cr- somewhere in the years it crossed the barrier of. Like, now I can't refinish it because it has an earned amount of relicking on it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I think the thing with relict amps is, because Fender has relict amps in the past, like, intentionally. But right. they do things that are, like, club damage. One, they're usually, they are tweed in those cases. Yeah. This is like a, a they're tweed wrap. condensation ring Yeah, there'll be a cup. condensation ring. Cigarette uh, burns. Cigarette burns. Maybe, like, uh, you know... A spill mark or, you know, you dropped a beer on it or something. Right, right. Um, there's a particular, like, yellowing that occurs, again, from, like, being in smoky bars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, like, specific to Tweed, where it's like, oh, it's a little darker. Oh, yeah, that's because it's simulated, yeah. you know, being in a smoky well, studio. Tweed is lacquered. You can put a yeah. colored lacquer on there and simulate so, those things. And um, so, whatnot. yeah, so you kind of, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, I kind of feel like, the, you know... Look at this brand new amp that somebody took a knife to the side and left right. a, left a you know it's kind of the same argument as like oh relicking on guitars is fake and that means it's lame. So is this an amp that you would be interested in based on its look? Would you buy an amp that was finished this way? I might. I actually I don't like the state that it's in, but I like the idea of like a 
of like this bright red amp. I do. I do like the look. I would probably go for a different color than this. Sure. Um, but I don't mind it at all. And I would actually be interested to seeing how this does age. I don't want a blues junior, but if I could get a Princeton that was painted, I'd be down for that. And maybe if it was painted a more subdued color, like if it was a white poly finish or even black poly or sunburst or something like that. I've seen sunburst. I've seen sunburst, yeah. yeah. Or even like a seafoam. A seafoam that would be cool. paint would look really good. Uh, oh, you know what would look really sharp? Orange. TV yellow. Oh. With that kind of like translucent, like sea wood grain beneath it. Right. That would age really nice. Like age like an old telly. Yeah. I think that's what well, I would have for. to be. It would have to be uh, nitro to age like an old telly. Hey, it's not a bad idea, Steve. Someone at Fender picked that idea up. Uh, spray a Princeton with nitro TV yellow. Someone's going to buy it. I guarantee it. His name is Ryan Burke. <laughs> All right. This first, not for $600. This first topic was sent in. Uh, you're not gonna, it's not going to be up for sale for $600. Nope. It'll Probably be up for a normal price. Like $1,600. Oh, yeah. That's true. Uh, this first topic was sent by Alex BK Britton Kant. He says, is Ernie Ball slash Music Man slowly taking over the world? Um, I actually feel like Ernie Ball you hear less about lately than you used to. I know a lot of people I, still play Slinkies, but I feel like well, yeah, overall I, think they mean I hear about Ernie the music, Ball less. The Music Man guitars. Right. That's I'm, what he means. I'm, I'm just saying like the both the sides The brand of Ernie Ball. Yeah. Um, Music Man, on the other hand, I think has... Um, that's what I'm saying. ...been interesting. That's, I, I think that's what he's referencing, is that uh, Music Man guitars, which are... Right. A, a, they're part of Ernie Ball? Do I'm they not exactly how sh that all works. There is a connection there. I'm apparently not up on it confidently enough to argue about well, it. Well, like the Ball family owns Music Man. Right. Um... But yeah, they share a booth at Nam. That's their relationship. Yes. Um, so anyway, <laughs> they're they, in the actually, same booth at Nam. They've come out with a lot of like really popular. You really made me fight for that one. Steve. Over over the last like what two three years. Yeah. Um, I should pull up their. You lineup. know the well, I know the two biggest ones from the last again from the last couple of years were the uh, Saint Vincent signature model. And the James Valentine signature model. Mm -hmm. And to go along with those were, was the release of the Sterling brand, which I still hate that name. Of all the names, why? Well, you go to Music Man website and it says Ernie Ball Music Man, Steve. Sure, whatever. <laughs> I mean, but for the longest time, the only instruments I was familiar with from them was the Axis, which is a super... You know, like comes from a Van Halen lineage sort of thing. Yeah. I always liked that guitar. I think it's a fun guitar. And the Albert Lee, which has a really fun shape. Right. But yeah, now you've got the, the Valentine yeah. that people love. The St. Vincent. Uh, there's a bunch of other shapes in here. Uh, well, I think for a long time, like Ernie Ball was really associated with like Prague. And the too. basses. I, I was familiar with the basses. Um, uh, at least on the guitar side, it was very like associated with Prague. You look at like what their signature models have been. They've had like the Neil Morse signature, uh, the Steve Lukather signature, which I mean, they've got the John Petrucci and the John Petrucci. They've signature. got the Cutlass, which is like a Strat thing. The Stingray, which right. is like a different kind well, of. Well, so the, it's like an offset E Strat. And those are kind of like the Cutlass and the Stingray were bringing back old models from the from like the seventies. Yeah, uh, they've got a lot to offer here. That's Steve. They're Morse not Neil is. Morse. Steve Morse. Steve Morse. Sorry. Sorry. I really like the Albert Lee shape. I would, yeah. I would go for that. Then, like you Silhouette said, the axis is like armada. a less ball thing. All these shapes are they hint, um, uh, excluding the Saint Vincent. All these shapes hint at like classic guitars, but then go far enough outside of them that they are definitely their own thing, and yeah. they're recognizable as their own brand. Um, to go back to the original question for the topic is, like, is Ernie Ball taking over the world? My answer is that Ernie Ball specifically isn't taking over the world, but that we're seeing a time in uh, guitar shopping and guitar buying 
where the new generation coming up is open to instruments that have different shapes, that have unique shapes, yeah, that reinvent the aesthetic a little bit um, without going in like an opulent or garish direction. Yeah, it's like it's it's more than just oh, let's see how much quilted maple and abalone inlay we can. Which, throw at for what it's worth, like is kind of like the vibe of where it seemed like they were going with the Petrucci, right? Like models and the. But you uh, look at their lineup here as they presented as a line, and everything is simple looking in shape and aesthetic yeah. and form. And then you uh, you click on the collection and then you can select different finishes and whatnot. But they really are selling body shapes. Like that is their selling point right now. That's their unique selling proposition yeah. is look at our body shapes. You can look different than someone playing a more standard classic idea of a shape. I mean, the... The fact that the St. Vincent is has become so popular and people have embraced it so completely is incredible because it's a really super funky body shape. Yeah. There's a lot of angles on here that are surprising to me that I look at it and like it. Like that top bout, like I want to be bothered by it. I want it to stick out further. On the St. Vincent? On or? the St. Vincent, but then for, for somehow it still works. Yeah. It's it's really tough. I and it's just I think we're in a place right now in guitar history where consumers are open to this level of uniqueness aesthetically. I think there's some of that, and I think also Ernie or Music Man for a long time was a professional level instrument. They have they have a preceding reputation of being high quality and, play, players' um, instruments, and so they did have like. The sub-series, so the Music Man sub-series, um, God, 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. that were like all of the same instruments, but with matted finishes. Right. And I think maybe different um, electronic layouts. I, I'm 100% don't remember. The problem is that like, uh, you know, with their, I've always been more interested in their basses. Um, uh, and the problem is, is that, Along with those matted finishes, they also put diamond plate pit guards on everything. Oh yeah, which I hate were like that. just felt yeah. really tacky. And I, I mean, I guess I, if I saw one real cheap, I could have replaced it. I, I never really thought of it. And then um, they did, they did OLP guitars for a while, mm-hmm. which was the officially licensed product. The OLP stuff was, I mean, it was fine for his price point, but that's like they were, they were degrading their brand with that yeah so what they've done with sterling is they've come out like a little higher priced but the same kind of concept but it seems like they've like focused on it more where um you know i hear guys on other shows talk about Uh-oh. how other shows know, the sterling i think it's the sterling james valentine is like one of the best guitars of like 2017 now it's 2018 i know you know it's a different year but i believe um you know, the, these Sterling and these Music Man guitars are at the top of these, uh, you know, put together, uh, let's say, uh, gear of the last 12 months list, <laughs> you know, if there were, that these if you other shows at, do. If you looked at a calendar year and you were to evaluate the gear that was released in that year, yes, these would make the list. Yes. Mm, For, as, as being good. Yes, on certain programs. On certain programs. On certain uh, other uh, guitar entertainment Sounds like a, something a bunch of nerds would do. Yes. I'm looking at the Sterling Albert Lee, and I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't yeah, there's like, want one of those. There's that. What color is that? Blue? Is it yeah, it's like the Sonic, Sonic blue, blue. Surfy Blue. What's the price on it? They don't have a price on this site. No. They have, have prices on the, on the Ernie Ball site, but not on the Sterling site. Oh. I think the Sterling stuff, maybe you can only get through stores, whereas a Music Man, you can possibly order direct. Right. Um, but like the, like I said, the Sterling James Valentine is supposed to be great. Um, these different models. So I think they have found a way to appeal to um, guys who are getting into, into these instruments for the first time. And I think doing St. Vincent and James Valentine as signature instrumentalists, like I said uh, earlier, like are as signature instruments... Um, opens up to like a broader crowd than like, okay, Petrucci, Dream Theater, Steve Morse. Um, what's, do you recall what his affiliation is? Nope. 
Lukather, I want to say, is the guitarist for Toto. Okay. Um, Morse, is he? It's bothering me, but I'm he's affiliated with some prog group. I I'm trying believe. to find out how much these Sterlings are, so I'm having to jump around a few different sites. And then is, uh, I want to say Steve Morse was like the original guitarist for Deep Purple for some reason. Yeah, oh no, he's the current guitar player for Deep Purple. Yeah, Since 1994. Stuff is all used. Why is it so hard? Maybe I should um, try Amazon. And then, um, is Albert Lee just Albert Lee? I'm not familiar. Yeah. I'm like that's a name I've heard for a long time, but I'm not super familiar with them. I I'm not super smart with remembering famous musicians, so it's, it's kind. Of, I'm more familiar with Albert Lee, the guitarist. I'm I mean the guitar model. I'm not familiar with him as the guitarist of anything. I'm sure he is the guitarist of something. And all these other guys are. Okay, here we go. No, he's kind of just looks like he's kind of just Albert Lee. Like you can get a Sterling Silhouette for 206 bucks. You can get the Sterling uh, St. Vincent for 600 bucks. I picked one of those up at NAMM and I thought it felt really great. You can get a version of the Axis for 300. Their prices are in the uh, Squire to Mexican Fender range. Right. It's that Albert Lee that I was drooling over. 400 bucks. Yeah, that's a super great price. That's really where you would expect to sit for a imported guitar. Yeah. If that came in gold, you'd know it. No. I'd get it. Don't tell me it comes in gold. I don't need to spend the money right now. I don't think it does. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I, I think they are, Music Man is, is you know making a lot of strides. They're in a really good place right now because people have forgotten about OLP, yeah. For the most part, I think because at the end of it, uh, people assumed that it was, and it, maybe it was that it was them licensing their shapes to a completely different brand, and so like the quality issues with those are just not on the shoulders. Yeah, they, it was of weird. Ball. Like it never felt like oh, this is from Ernie Ball. It felt like Ernie Ball has given permission for them to do a cover of this. Exactly. Um, so they've come out smelling like roses with a strong reputation of building like really great playing modern instruments with an aesthetic that people are open to right now in this moment. And who knows that might change in the future, or maybe these instruments will become new classics where people are like, Oh, that's just a shape that guitars come in. So good job, Bernie ball. Yep. We're watching you and we appreciate what you're doing and we should probably make a trip up to, their headquarters, yeah, Santa someday. Barbara. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a it's a trip for us. Five hours. Yeah, like we'd definitely be getting a, a hotel up there and crashing the night, but yeah. we could go up there and check stuff out. Uh, next ad. Yeah, this was uh, posted. Now that we've to the talked group about Ernie Ball for way too long, by Tim Hemingway, he says, "I'm so depressed. I spent all last night dreaming about the flip of the century I was going to make on my way to work. I was the first to call on this last night. Set up a time to pick the board up in the morning. When I was on my way, he texted me to say." Sorry, I didn't know what these were worth, so I raised the price. So this is was a vintage '80s Boss pedal board. Mm-hmm. Um, this was originally listed two hundred fifty dollars. So I've uh, got both about pictures. Forty dollars a pedal. It's uh, funny that the guy adds a description the next day. He goes from two hundred fifty dollars for the whole pedal board, all the pedals, to seven hundred fifty, which is still probably a really good deal. Yeah. But he adds a description and he leads in. With just how vintage and rare they are. Well, he changes the title, too. Yeah. Oh, no, he didn't. What am I thinking? What am I reacting to? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, he adds the description and it says, with power module and five unique pedals. Yeah. Rare SG-1 slow gear, auto slow roll volume effect to illuminate attack, DF2 super feedback or distortion. And he just goes on and on about, you know, the rarity and the descriptions of these were, you know, the day before he's like, come get these pedals, 250 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people were like, oh, dang, the slow gear is worth 250 bucks by itself. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that vibrato is worth like 300 something yeah. bucks. Yeah. The VB2. That's the one that like yeah. everybody wants. Uh, the super feedbacker. I see people saying that they want that, but I don't think it goes for tons of money. Yeah. Um, the flanger. Mm. Uh, there's not a ton of huge flanger nuts out there right now trying to chase down vintage boss flangers. Um, and then the noise gate, I don't know. I've never heard anyone talk about that specific noise gate. I feel like it, the NF1 does something unique, but right. I, offhand, I can't remember what it is. 
But the slow gear and that vibrato are definitely doing the heavy lifting in this. Yeah. The the power supply and switcher, I had one of those. I had so much trouble trying to sell it. Like people don't really want them. It was like an extra throw in with the boss pedal boards because it's like a utility thing. Right. You can use it as a looper and it but powers. If, probably if you don't the have the if you don't have the boss utility board, then it's kind of useless. It kind of is. But the, I'm sure there are people out there who are fans of it and will be mad if I say that it's not important. How, what is the latest at night that you've met somebody? Definitely not 1130 at night. Cause that's when he said he had contact with this guy. But I would say that if I had contact with this guy when it was $250 and it was at 1130 at night, I would be like, I'm a baker. I work at night. I can come get it right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I work a midnight shift. I'm on my way to work. I'm let me pick it up on the way because this is a sort of score that you can't wait any amount of time. Yeah. You have to be there when the ad posts within like an hour or things are going to go sideways and wrong. Um, and the fact that it was posted at 1130 at night means that a lot of people probably didn't see it till the morning when this guy woke up to an inbox just yeah full of people yeah and i'm sure there were a couple stinkers in there they were like uh these are worth much much more and you should be charging more just because they're anarchists who want to flip block is there a more fun way we can come is a better more fun term for flip blocking you know it might not even be necessarily that um rock blockers oh my gosh (laughs) um because um lucas is it rivers I think it's rivers i think he anyway so he posted um this fender stratocaster in the group today that's a um oh yeah early, that, that the, 80s mij mij it's a fender japanese contemporary stratocaster it was originally it's, listed uh, for 75 bucks it was originally listed for 99 bucks 99 i'm close and then, enough and then uh at that price it might as well be free and then he emailed them and got a response back they said like the highest bid right now is 250 so the, I was kind of wanted one of those. This guy could have gone through the same thing where like he either got so many emails at 250 that he's like, oh, something's going on. Yeah. And he looked into it or, uh, yeah, he could have had those people who are like, I don't you're like, I don't have 250, but you're nuts if you're not trying to get like at least 700. Um, or he could have just had people who are like, uh, I'll do 250. Um, shoot, I'll do 300 just to like beat everybody who's doing 250. Yeah. There may have been people who were like, oh, I'll do 400 or whatever. I mean, like, we're really what pushing you're it up. trying to balance against is the, the, the people who want to flip it, who will show up immediately. And the people who actually want that guitar, which is probably only like two people in the County. Right. Because it's very specific. It's a MIJ strat with that very specific, like pearlescent, thick poly finish. Yeah, it's that a they pearlescent use. finish. It's all black hardware. It's yeah. the, the the trim system. Like this, I forget which one. The finish on those things is like as thick as the chocolate on a Snickers bar. It's real interesting. Like, have you ever seen them chipped on the edges? You're like, that's a lot of paint. Yeah. <laughs> They're real heavy. They have a unique bridge system. Um, but they just play like butter and that oh, yeah. and that black painted headstock. I've always been a fan of that look. Really, uh, really interesting time from Fender. But yeah, anyways, that, those are the kind of deals. You have to be there. You have to be out the door when it, you see the ad calling the person. If there's a number, like I'm on my way. Where are you? Where am I driving to? <laughs> like you drive in circles around your block waiting to find yeah. out where you're going. Yeah. Or you're not going to get that deal. You know. I feel like there was something recently I picked up. Oh, those Earthquaker pedals that I got you were for like out the door. 50 bucks each. I got four Were of them for 50 bucks. you sold any of those yet? Not yet. I was playing around. I'm getting geared up to do um, a, pedal a, boarding? a pedal boarding with some of them. And then I'm going to start trying to sell them. Cool. Yeah. After 90 days, you're losing money. I know. And I'm losing money in this whole deal, Steve. Everything you see in this room means I'm losing money. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, could be doing real work somewhere that, instead of doing all this stuff. That's Probably somewhat true, yes. Yes. Stuff just got real, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, you want to support uh, us on Patreon? Uh, you want to buy some stuff from us? <laughs> you should just support us on Patreon because when you buy stuff from us, that means I have to do work. <laughs> 
what if, what if we just started encouraging people to support at the four dollar level? Oh my god! So we don't have to do, to do ship any, them anything. To do anything? Anything above four dollars, we want a lot of you. Yeah. We don't have to do stuff. Yeah. Just four dollars, please. Is the the everyone listening can just the, sign up at the four dollar level? Is the easy breezy level where you love us just not enough? That should, we should make that a level. You love us not enough to make us work. <laughs> All right, uh, this topic was sent in by Zachary Ryan Saucier. He says, childhood music fantasies. Have you thought of anything for this topic yet, Steve? Because in the, in the pre, uh, in our, in our uh, preparation for the show, you're like, I don't have anything for this. And I just, just like, I'm I mean, bursting with childhood memories. So, so the thing is, is like, I was in the family where like, we'd be listening to the radio and I would like sing along with the song. And then my dad would be like, you know why? Because I grew up listening to country music, right? So I'd be like, you know why George Strait recorded this song? I'd be like, I would be thinking it's like some profound story about how he wrote this song for his wife or you right, know, whatever, right. whatever. And I go, no. And he goes, he goes, so you wouldn't have to. <laughs> you know why this guy sings this song? So you don't have to. Every time my dad would come to uh, one of our shows afterwards, he, he would be like, I should have just spent like $50 on singing lessons for you when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> Our dads are kind of similar in their pragmatic sarcasm. I don't think my dad even would. I, I don't remember if my parents, they may have come to like one or two of sure. our shows. But your dad's not musical at all. and Not particularly, no. Not really uh, encouraging I don't towards know. music? Uh, I mean... If it was, I'm sure if I had like shown inclination to like classical instrumentation of some sort, it would have been more like a status symbol sort of musicality, like uh, you know, or like violin a, or, or like a high technical proficiency or sort of thing. Um, you know, if I was playing, I think if I, even if I, think I was, my dad just wishes I played Hendrix tunes. I, I would. Or I, Doobie I think Brothers. if I was in like a. If I was in a band that was basically trying to channel like, um, you know, mid 60s Willie Nelson, <laughs> like if I'll I, join that band. If with I you. if I was Yodel Kid, you know, Yodel Kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I think my dad would have been all over it. Sure, sure. But you like that's we're talking about our dads now. You don't have any memories of having that, like that was uh, that was my, the crushing of my childhood music fantasy. OK, so that was your that was your childhood music experience. I mean, I, we can broaden this to broaden this to be childhood musical experiences or like thoughts or, or um, things that you were going. No, through. I mean, I guess like when I first started playing music, like the idea was like, oh, like I I can play for myself. And like, I don't know, like I always. I knew, um, I knew, I guess, I don't know how old I was, that there were, like, bands that would, like, go play, like, church camps for entire summers. Right, and right. I actually thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Or, like, tour bus. Because you wanted to go to church camp all summer. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, you wanted to jump on the blob. and Or doing, like, the, the, the like, the punk like white eight 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 uh, was it uh eight people in a stinky van right, right life like that kind of that kind of deal like i was like oh that sounds like that sounds like that once could be you fun. once you became like a, a teenager who was learning to play guitar did you ever have any, like any dreams or aspirations for where you wanted to go with it like you think you did you think you wanted to be in a band or write music or like be known for, as a musician or anything like that uh, i mean did i you think, ever have fantasies that direction i think i always lived in like the because what I'm hearing is that Steve was a cold-hearted robot that just analyzed the situation he was in, you know, moment to moment. Is like, here is a guitar. I am playing guitar. I am a musician now. I have, <laughs> I have no aspirations. What is the command for my future? <laughs> I mean, I don't think I really knew anything about what that life looked like outside of like how you see it. Because you didn't grow up with, with a music culture around right. you or something and, like that? Right, and outside of like how you see it on... Did you watch like MTV or anything uh, like that? Well, how, no. So it's, like, okay. so it's like my conceptualization of like how people get big. How old were you when you first saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I don't remember. All right. I re actually, I, I don't remember. 
That did, that, I mean, you think that would have been a defining moment in my I know, life, right? Well, if um, you watched it when you weren't a musician, you were probably like, eh. And then you maybe rediscovered it. I mean, I think I thought of, you started playing. I, think I thought it was funny sure. when I was like saw it. I'm sure I thought it was funny because it's like I just it's have funny. like memories of being young, like pre playing music and pre playing guitar, of being excited and interested in you know like cartoons that would have a character that come out playing like a rad. You know, right. electric guitar and it's squealing out, you know, like that was an awful sound I just made. But you know what I mean? Like doing like a fret slide and stuff like that yeah. and being like, wow, that looks like a rad thing. And like, oh, what would it be like to be like a rock star? And, you know. Yeah, I don't think I ever like, really I was like growing up in the. I think I was so like step by step that like I never really like processed like. Day by day. Uh, <laughs> what that would um, kind of like. Maybe like not, maybe not what it would take. Like I guess like like it's what, what I what I was going at is like I kind of always had that like uh, thought that like it was all like that people who were successful at music that it was all like most of them got there by accident. Like maybe they pract- okay. like they practiced a lot or whatever, but it was always like you know it was like the classic like is the, the Saved by the Saved by the Bell scenario yeah yeah where it's like they're in their garage and like. You know, the music producer just happens to be like driving down the street and they're like, what's that sound? It's amazing. You got a hot sound. I got to get you in the studio. Sign sign these papers. Sorry, your friend can't be in the band. You've got a hard decision to make. Yeah. And then like (laughs) and then you sign that stuff. And like three weeks later, you know, you're playing, a, you know, a 50,000 capacity sports stadium. You're playing at a soda fountain shop for some reason. And it's the 90s. Yeah. Those don't exist. I, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't my, know, we played a boba shop. My childhood ideas and reaction to like music was basically that to be a musician was to be like a cartoon character, which kind of fits, you know, the decades I grew up in. Yeah. I, you know, started to come become aware of pop culture in the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. And like if you saw a guitarist on TV or wherever in that time, it was, you know, like a a Van Halen or like a poison right. reference is like, look at this flamboyant cartoony, like out there character that's doing like slides across the stage on his knees and like playing with his teeth and stuff like that. And so that right. was my impression of what it was to be like a guitarist. And the, the reverse of that is, you know, growing up in church and seeing some dude play on, you know, like an ovation 12 string. Dude, we didn't even have a guitar player in my church <laughs> when I was growing up. Uh, I don't, I don't, like I literally, I think I was a teenager the first time they had a Ryan. guitar in the church, and it was like an acoustic guitar, and it was like, "What do we need a guitar for? There's a piano. The piano plays all the notes you need to hear. Yeah, yeah. Why is there even a bass? The piano has bass notes. Hello. You can't even hear the bass. I'm just referencing <laughs> that stupid article I wrote. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. So. I can't remember if I had any like dreams or aspirations immediately when I started playing guitar. I was pretty awkward and kind of a loner. I had friends that were trying to start a band and I don't remember thinking like I should. So how's that different from now? (laughs) I don't remember having like thoughts like I should ask if I should be in the band. Right. Or if I could be in the band because in my head it was like these people would never accept me as part of the Mm. band even though they were my friends. (laughs) That was just like my head's space back then like i didn't really start thinking about wanting a band or being in a band and doing things other than playing at church Mm. with music until i started getting to college and it's like i'm like i'm getting decent at this i can play guitar right i can play parts i can learn parts i can write things i started to mess around with writing songs around that time and i didn't get into bands until after college because I didn't have time during college. Tell me more about uh, whales and where they go. <laughs> Referencing a song that probably maybe 10 people have heard that I wrote. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a good songwriter. I just started to mess around with it. Right. <laughs> and I think, you know, yeah, that's a sidebar. I'll skip it. Okay. Sure, sure. Um, now you got anything else on this? I don't. Hey, right. hey, hey, if you've got childhood stories that, you know, relate to playing music and being a musician uh let's have a post in the facebook group and uh let's hear them i want to read those stories cool 
You want to thank our sponsors and then do the last ad? Yeah, uh, let's thank Sinusoid. Or do you want to do more couture? uncomfortable silences? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could do more uncomfortable silences if you want. Well, if they're planned, are they really uncomfortable? Oh, I can make them uncomfortable. All right, uh, let's thank our sponsors, Pro Audio Couture. That is Sinusoid, sinusoid.com. When you mention Pro Audio Couture, you're thinking of Sinusoid. That's right. Uh, Solid Gold Effects, makers of the Funkzilla, the as well as a bunch of other pedals that I've covered. And Yellow Cake, makers of the Furry and Fried, and also a bunch of other pedals that we haven't covered. Yeah. This last ad was sent in by Kyle Jackson. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, it's called Lost Bet. Um, it says... Now read the copy on that bad 2000 boy. Epiphone Les Paul Zebra Guitar. Free. Make an offer. Guitar case, guitar, professional guitar equipment. The cabinet is a Fender. It used to be owned by CJ Pierce from Drowning Pool. He lost it in a bet. I have the emblem. What Excuse does me. he mean? I will hopefully... Uh, be getting a letter from CJ saying how he lost the amp in a bet. What does he mean when he says he has the emblem? Um, like, because it's a Fender cabinet, but it doesn't have the Fender badge on it. Oh, it's for the cab. I thought it was in relation to the bet. Like the emblem no. was a signal of the bet or something like that. Okay, I get it. I get it now. Uh, so uh, I don't care about any of the gear in this. Right. I don't know if you do. It's like, a, I'm just in a, like, it's a rack mount gear, so. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would pick up that cab. The, the guy, the ad says. I want to know who Ed Williams is. The, uh, the, the ad says free, but then it says make an offer, so he just doesn't know what to ask. I would pick up that cab. I wonder if it's a. How much think, do you think it's worth? You think it's a cab or an amp? I mean, he's got the whole rack mount gear, so it's probably just a cab. Um, I don't know what it's worth, but I'd make him an offer. I'd well, no, I, because the title is 2000 Epiphone Les Paul Zebra Guitar, so I think he's trying to get rid of everything. Right, but I just want that cab. Okay. Oh, so but, you're saying you just want to make an offer on the cab and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but that's CJ Pierce. That's going to be the most expensive piece. That's from Oh, because CJ it Pierce came from, from CJ Browning Pierce? Pool. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to make a wager. Okay. I'm going to try to win this guitar. I'm going to make a bet. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to bet, but I'll figure it out when I get there. All I'll be right. like, I bet I can drink a gallon of milk without throwing it up. And if I don't win, then I give you one of my cabs. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this is a serious situation here. Uh, or we'll do, we'll arm wrestle or something like that. Would you ever, would you gamble with gear? Like, would you make a bet and, and put like one of your amps on the line? This is like racing for pink slips. Yeah. Would you race for pink slips with guitar gear? I don't gear? know. I'm not very good at guitar, so this is probably a bad bet for me. I want to know what bet this guy lost. Do you think he uh, he couldn't he didn't guess how many bodies hit the floor? Um, like he got that that guess wrong. Like he knew that he was letting the bodies hit the floor, but he he didn't guess the correct number of bodies. That hit I don't the floor. like to think that. I mean, I don't know, like. I realize you're trying to make a joke, and I'm ruining it for you. <laughs> Ruined jokes is what this podcast um, is all about. But I, it's kind of our signature I, move. I feel like it's probably it was probably like like a drinking bet of some sort that he lost. It was a bet that he was the angriest white person in the room, and then someone else was able to prove that they were the angriest white person in the room. And it was, you'd gauge it by your, like, how gruff your voice is. Oh, my gosh. How, well, it's not the singer, how it's, it's the guitar player. Is it? But still. Probably bet that he was the angriest person in the room, and then uh, an incel convention showed up. He probably bet that he could play the heaviest power chord imaginable, and he played, like, a drop C sharp. Uh-huh. And someone showed up, and they, and they, and they did a, a, just, a, they did a beach. They did a B. A Ooh. They did a drop B. Wow. I know, right? Someone showed up with a baritone and they're like, check this out. And he's like, oh, you've bested me. Oh. Here's the pink slip for my amp. Is this even a cab that he would Is this even use? funny? None of this is funny, Steve. I'm not even amused. People don't listen to this for funny. They listen I don't, to us. Yeah, so that's the thing. Is like, I don't know why they listen to us. Is the, is like the rack mount stuff makes sense to me, but not the cab. Yeah, this is not the sort of cab I would imagine. This is like an imagine. oversized Fender 2x12 cab, probably. 
Yeah, it looks like, it looks like it would go underneath like a Deville or something. Well, it looks like it would go underneath like a a like a baseman head or like a dual showman. Mm, yeah, man, it doesn't look big enough to do. Maybe it is. You might be right. It's it it's, just doesn't it's a, look. It's an oversized two by twelve head. It just doesn't look. Cab. It doesn't look drowning pool to me. No, it does. It's not at all. Like, why did maybe this guy was gambling with it and betting with it because he didn't really actually have a use for it? Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I'll give you my cab. Yeah, I'll give you some of my musical equipment. I make my livelihood with this. Yeah, not the not the Marshall four by twelve. Throwing this fender yeah, thing. Not the mesas. Yeah. <laughs> And I wonder when this bet was, you know, like, well, the guitar was from it recently. Oh, okay. Drowning pool hasn't been relevant since like, I'm not sure when I bet how long, if they're still around, I bet they're playing. I bet they're playing country fairs and stuff like that. Uh, they casinos. are still around. Um, they, so many bodies have hit the floor. They released their last album in 2016 the guitar player has been in the band since the beginning. Um, but like, I don't, I've, I, I mean, I think bodies is the only one of their songs I've ever heard. Sure. Um, I imagine they're one of those bands where you go to like a metal festival. Like you don't care who's playing as long as there's the noise that you like and you can mosh to it yeah. and bob your head to it. And while Drowning Pool's playing, even if you've never heard their stuff, like you're walking around talking to people, drinking beer, you know. I mean, they might even be super cool. We just have no idea. I bet that if I looked up Drowning Pool's new music, I'd be super into it. I actually did go and listen to, because I, I couldn't remember who Drowning Pool was. Okay. So I looked up their music, and I was like, oh, they did the body song. And I listened to it, and I was like, you know what? This song's got a hook. This is a catchy song. I get why it was so popular. Yeah, but that's why it was also like so quickly like people hate it. We're like, say other words. There's only like 15 right. words. In I mean, it was song. one of those songs you could not get away from during a time where you also could not get away from every other song that sounded exactly like it's, it. Yeah, right. You know, every other corn knockoff band. Yeah. That was also trying to be Limp Biscuit at the time. You know, they just needed that guy to do. They needed to join up with the guy from Disturbed. There, they needed the Disturbed kind of gimmick. The thing. I think they kind of had that. Did going. they? I don't know. I don't know. Everyone was doing all the same stuff. Not that it's different now or was different before that, but you know, scenes show up and everyone's kind of speaking the same language. Yeah. All right, tell me about the song. Let's get out of here. Uh, I, I, this feel, week's song, I feel deflated from all these failed jokes. This week's song is sent by Jake Fields. It's called Good Vibes. No other notes. I hope it gives us some good vibes on the way out of this terrible episode. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Darling, pour me a drink To put my restless mind at ease And to drop all my worries deep down in the sea Yeah, I know life is a beast but sometimes there's a breeze Blowing by, so raise them up high I just want good vibes You put on some barley, we'll be feeling alright Cause I just want there to be love in the air tonight Oh, so slide and give me those good vibes Yeah, I just want good vibes Yeah, I was thinking we should cast away To a tropical island where palm trees will sway Kick back and while relax and just have a good time. Yeah, I just want good vibes. You put on some Marley, we'll be feeling alright. Cause I just want there to be love in the air tonight. Oh, so slide over closer and give me those good vibes. Yeah, I just want good vibes.
Yeah. 